This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Julie from A Good Story is Hard to Find. Hi, I'm Misa. And we're going to talk about The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. First published in, I think, 1890 in Lippincott's. And um, this is the second uh, Lippincott's uh, one-issue novel that you and I have done, Julie. Mm-hmm. But Isa wasn't in on that last one. Seth was in on the last one as well, but uh, your daughter Rose was in on that. The Hound of uh, the Baskervilles? No. Which? It was... Lippincott's. Wild. Oh, right. Which is the perfect tie-in. You're right. Yeah. So in uh, a meeting at the Langham Hotel on the 30th of August, 1889, uh, the editor of Lippincott's Monthly, which was a new magazine, um, managing editor for the American magazine called Lippincott's, wanted to do an English version. And he invited two people to that dinner party. Um, One was named Oscar Wilde. The other was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And they both agreed to write a uh, book for complete, um, not serialization, for complete publication in one issue. And the Oscar Wilde was um, the picture of Dorian Gray. And the uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was the second ever Sherlock Holmes story. Um, a novel called The Sign of the Four. Were they both in the same um, mag- yeah. the same edition, really? No, not the same no. issue. Oh, okay. But, so separate. But they were at the same dinner party. Right, right. Um, it was a Doyle, special lunch. Yeah, he, he calls it a, just a invited them. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, and the funny thing is it took, took Wilde a really long time, like years maybe, to write his story, whereas Doyle wrote his in... An incredibly short time. Six weeks. Like, yeah. Yeah, I read that. And Doyle, of course, is, you know, he he had a massive output. And uh, yeah. Oscar Wilde, not so much. He got <laughs> one novel. He was a bit distracted. Promised, right? And um, <sighs> that, that version is, is uh, as I think we discussed on that other show, um, shorter mm-hmm. um, than the later book publication. Whereas The Sign of the Four, as it appears in... Uh, Lippincott's is pretty much identical to uh, the book publication, which came out a couple years later. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'd read this before. Had you guys read this before? No, never. Oh, I had read it. But you know what's funny is I had it confused with a later one, which I can't remember the name of, where I knew it was one of those where you have Sherlock Holmes in the beginning and then Mm -hmm. you get the backstory, which explains it and takes you some exotic location. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the one that went to the mines of North America. Mm. And um, so when it got to the part where we were in India, I was like, I don't even remember this. It was like a whole new story. I remember the beginning. With the Mary and the romance, and but not the end. And I was so excited. So I'm so glad you asked me to read this story. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, 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 it, I, I read a couple of, of um, other stories in preparation for this. And mm-hmm. and while I was reading them, I, I was so confused between, like, I couldn't remember, have I read this story before? Have I seen it in a movie? Have I seen mm-hmm. it on the show? Like, everything was just melding into, like, a big mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes looking hot and I just didn't know where it was coming from um that uh that experience I've had that before I was pretty careful this time with all the movies uh you know (laughs) sometimes I overdose on that but I was pretty careful the only one I watched all the way through was um the Jeremy Brett adaptation which uh he's the one who played it on British television Mm -hmm. in the 80s and I guess the early 90s mostly shown on mystery or maybe Masterpiece Theater in the States right. on PBS. Um, and that's a pretty faithful adaptation. There, there was a cartoon version, came out in 1983, which is very strange <laughs> because it's an adult cartoon, but I, I don't understand why they did it but that way. But I could way. see cartooning this. Like when, when um, 
the wooden legged man his when his his leg is stuck in the mud and he can't get him out he can't get I it out and they're pulling him up like a fish like there was so there was so many great visuals in this that is perfect for a cartoon mm. or, or an animation yeah so, uh, oftentimes they they fiddle with the plot um in these but this one usually they stick to it fairly closely um i didn't find it that deep but what i noticed is there's a ton of sort of the sherlockiana sort of stuff that is this is where it really is right so the i don't know if it's the uh, elementary dear watts and uh the the one about uh, if you've eliminated the impossible whatever that's, remains, the that's the first time was here that's right. And the 7% solution and the shooting sure. up with the cocaine. Yeah, that was all, yeah, here. Begins It begins the book and it also ends the book. Yes, right? it does. I'm bored. <laughs> There's nothing left but the needle. Well, the thing that I was reading, too, is that, you know, now, of course, we think of every story being taken in wonderfully at the time. But pretty much A Study in Scarlet, the first one came out and just kind of sank. Mm-hmm. And then, so this was his chance, uh, this thing I read said, to reestablish Holmes and then to add more interest to his character and really define him more. So I think maybe that's why we see some of that. Yeah. Yeah, he did a, a better job. I think one of the reasons that uh, A Study in Scarlet is sort of neglected of all of the of the four novels is probably it has a big omniscient narr- narration mm. section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um He isn't quite as defined yet. We get sort of the interest of it. But I notice at the end of The Sign of the Four, um, something very funny happens. Is that Watson says, that's it, I'm out, I'm done. (laughs) I'm getting married. (laughs) See ya. Yeah, I'm out of the story, right? Um, Now, of course, it turned out not to be the case. But by the very second thing that he's written about Sherlock Holmes... Conan Doyle's always already trying to drop the mic and walk away. Yeah. Right? He is trying to abandon him already. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of the appeal. Is that, you know, he's always getting him, you know, sort of dropping it, walking away. Because when he kills off Sherlock Holmes, that doesn't kill off the interest, right? No. So it brings it back. Black armbands for him. Well, but even so, he, he he kills him off. He says, well, this is an old adventure, right? Yeah. So he does that for a while. And yeah. then that, that you know, he can only do that so long. And then, oh, fine. <laughs> he I, um, brings him back. And it's it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, uh, that empty house is not a great story. Well, yeah, because by the end of, I think it was the first collection of short stories, he was trying to kill him. And his hmm. wife said, no, 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 no tell the story like this and just leave him alive. And he went, okay, fine. I was, so um, she kind of came up with that. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Uh, so I was looking up because I was thinking he's, he's, he's so like Asperger-y, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I was looking online, um, about how, you know, and there's lots of things is, was he, wasn't he, but there was a, a, a cool, um, article in psychology today. And, mm-hmm. And aside from what he said about whether he has Asperger's or not, he said, I'm reading from this um, um, article, people of the modern age, including to some extent those in England, usually don't appreciate the grand scope of Holmes's present in England in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He was the Elvis Presley, the Michael Jackson, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of his age all rolled into one. When Conan Doyle decided to kill him off in one of his episodes, which were serialized in London's The Strand newspaper, the public outcry and lament were so deafening, none other than Queen Victoria wrote him a note urging him to bring Holmes back. Almost a patriotic obligation. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, but I have this great Professor Challenger story. I think you'd love it. No. We don't want that. No, they did. They liked it. No, I'm just saying. But they're like, Fine. Where's Holmes? They say that was a great, yeah, that was a great novel. Uh, uh, are you bringing Sherlock Holmes out next? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the it's thing not is, that they hated his other stuff. It's just that yeah. they didn't love it the way they loved Sherlock Holmes. Well, the thing that I think really made me love this story, and suddenly it just shot way up there, right behind the Hound of the Baskervilles for me, was that you see in this so many of those 
what are they, great adventure stories, you know, from that golden age of, you know, the lost lands in South America sure. and the dinosaurs still being alive and the professor, is it Professor Challenger or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, because with not only with the little um, islander, with the Amundsen Islander, yeah, whatever. I couldn't remember and, that uh, with that, but then the backstory that takes you to exotic, romantic India under the Raj with the revolution and the people fighting back, and then there's the treasure and mm-hmm. and the guy. Of course, the guy with the wooden leg is just common thing for them. But um, I just thought, wow, he really connected both those worlds, and you can see why it was almost the perfect way to bring Sherlock Holmes to everyone's attention because you had all these elements and then the very logical person who's Mm going to connect it all and piece it all together and make you hear the story. Mm -hmm. I just, it's brilliant. It was was fun when you talk about um, the, the romance of it at the beginning when, when, um, when he, when Watson is saying, did you read my, did you read my thing? And, and, and he's like, no, yeah, no, it was, it was terrible. It was too romantic. (laughs) No, mm-hmm. nobody wants to read that kind of stuff. Detecting <laughs> is cold and logical, and then he wrapped all of that into a romance anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, literally a romance. Um, as opposed to, we also get the monograph here on the 120 different kinds of tobacco <laughs> ash. <I> love that. <laughs> this is what I, I'm I really sure. write. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that like I, I wonder if it's actually true that different ash. <laughs> It, like ash looks different when you burn it, and it, doesn't it just like look exactly? Don't they all look exactly the same? I mean, I buy the mud thing where you know he's tracked the mud right. from a specific part of London. Maybe yeah, you know, I, I buy that. But really, is something you know ash burns differently. Well, you be. know, Doyle was just writing because they they said um, something else. I saw said uh, you know he he didn't worry about details a lot because in the first book. Holmes's or Watson's wound is in his shoulder and in this right. one it's in his leg because that serves the story better and it stayed in his leg after that but he was like eh, I, I don't care moves around well, yeah, and, yeah and and the natives of the Adaman Islands they not they don't have misshapen heads and there's doesn't say that they yeah. act, like that whole thing about oh ships are oh, dread yeah. to land there because they will be <laughs> eaten and, well, you know like yeah, you know there true. is there is a little to that this is actually really fascinating the andaman islanders um are if you look them up on wikipedia there is uh andaman islands it has all the things that Holmes says it has like it has the the uh, prison it has the fact that it's it's it was it was the center for political prisoners out of india right so if you did something wrong uh, in india you know during the rebellion they remove you from india take you almost all the way to uh, you know east asia um, in the bay of bengal farthest away from you can get in from india in the bay of bengal bay mm. of bengal and drop you on this island where there are really primitive people yeah they they're stone age still they are Stone Age, and there's a video, if you follow the the Sentinelese uh, link on there, Sentinel Island, the Sentinelese people are still uncontacted generally because really? they went, yeah, yeah and there's a video, and the, probably the reason they are so hostile is because, because they are so um, separate, they die of diseases really easily, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when... People try to land on their shores. They do throw spears at them. And, <laughs> yeah, but, you guys bring terrible bad spirits with you. Stay away. They, you definitely it. get killed. And they are short. They did say they they're not, pygmies. They're yeah. not four feet tall like they're. The, you know it says in the book, but um, they are they are small and they are very very dark. Hmm. They, are, you know they they look like uh, Australian Aborigines, but shorter and, uh, you know. Australian Aborigines have uh, uh, fire. These people may not even have fire. I read that. Like they the don't have things. fire. They have to preserve the, the fire from the day before. They, they can't, they weren't, they don't have, they don't know how to make it. It's wow. very interesting. And, yeah. huh. and the fact that that's still a thing, right? You know, we always think of uh, you know, yeah, Brazil or something. Yeah, exactly. But in the jungle. This is a place. Yeah. So, <laughs> but one of the reasons they also think that they might be so uh, still in the Stone Age is because the islands are really low on like things like metal. 
They don't have a lot of metal around oh, the there. Yeah. And um, that can, yeah, it can be a, you know, if you don't have uh, metal and you don't have coal, uh, it's pretty hard to make, uh, you know, fire things, huh. make pots or anything. So it's uh, it's a tough situation. But um, okay. I, I, th- I do think he, Conan Doyle was really interested in everything. And you sort of see that he is kind of like Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, well, Holmes was based on a teacher of his, right? Doctor Bell, mm-hmm. who he had in medical college, I think, who was super logical. And so, if you take that and his interest in everything, and plus that was a time when people would have been interested in all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it's like it's like making a romance out of these people. Yeah, right. What he did with with the with that character. And all the history that goes into it, right? He did, it's not that it's all happening on the Andaman Islands. That's where it's sort of the the crux of the backstory. Mm-hmm, happens. Yes. But there's the this the the three Sikh um, guys who are in a, a pact to uh, steal this money, and he says, "You can join us, or you can die." Hmm. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. That uh, Smalls is his name, right? Smalls. Or Small. Yeah, Small. Jonathan Small. Right. Um, Jonathan Small has a big um, uh, kind of willpower, right, to get through all of this. He, having his leg bitten off, oh, yeah. make that decision, uh, we get thrown in jail, try and trust these guys, uh, these two officers, and then be screwed over, get back to England, try and get the money back. It's, it was uh, he is he is a supervillain in a certain sense, but he's actually not all that villainous i mean he does kill people but he but, has a conscience yeah he's not super happy about it <laughs> no yeah I, I felt terrible i had to kill him i really felt terrible when i found out there was a second guy who'd been watching right and yeah. reported it that was the worst but i didn't yeah. feel so bad beating somebody with my leg right no no you know he, he was a jerk though that guy yeah but he, he was, was an ordinary jerk. guy he was he was only a supervillain in that he was in the position to be able to make decisions to go oh yes i would like to be in on this oh yes i would like to escape oh yes i would like to but he would help like he helped the little guy that's why the guy was so devoted to that's him right. and so he he's not he's kind of sympathetic when he's he's like oh he well so you caught me i'll tell you my story now and yeah. you're like oh i <laughs> kind of feel sympathetic to you he is sympathetic uh, when he he is forced into this, you know, it's uh, join us or die. He joins them, but he also has the opportunity to to you know keep the money and not share with his mm-hmm. his uh, fellows in the sign, you know, in the pact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this. Uh, I don't think it, I don't remember if it's in the book. It might be in the book. It's in at least a couple of the movies. No, I think it is in the book uh, that they're just blacks, it, which is funny because Sikhs are, you know, they're dark. But they're, right. they're not Andaman Island or dark, right? They are dark, but they call, he calls them blacks, I think, in the yeah, book. Yeah, but yeah, I was um, going to say trying to Raj get him to way. say, you know, you're a white man. You know, we can make a deal. We're whites. And this character, uh, Smalls, doesn't yeah. uh, break with his pact. Mm. And I was going to say, if uh, if Seth was here uh, at the beginning, I was going to say we sh- we four should enter into a tontine. <laughs> you guys remember what a tontine is? I yeah, really the last that. one standing gets the treasure. That's right. So what we all do is we, we take our money, right? We take some set amount of money and we invest it together as a group in some venture. And as the years go by, we share out the shares equally. But when one of us dies, uh, our shares increase. Right. And they don't pass on to our children; they just pass on to us. So, by the end of the uh, the taunting, we sh- we will be incredibly rich and trying to kill each other. Right, too. Exactly. That always <laughs> just seemed like a recipe for murder to me. Other. Yes. <laughs> in in fiction, it always yes. is a recipe. Would you like for... to be murdered? Here's a taunting yeah. you might join, <laughs> or to murder okay. someone. Yeah, it was a real thing though. Like it was. Oh, no, a, I know. Yeah. They have raising money for. Uh, you know, if you don't have venture capital, you get together with 40 or 50 other people and um, you can you can make an investment. And as a group, it it kind of made sense at, at the time. They're, they're, ta- they're talking about bringing it back for certain things. Oh, well, these days, you know, joining together for a lottery ticket is kind of that mm-hmm. thing where a whole office will get together and buy some numbers and maybe they'll win. So, 
It's not exactly the same. For murder, I think. (laughs) Yeah, less of a recipe and much more public. So, you know. Yeah. But uh, I also really liked the strand with the romance, although it was, of course, unbelievably quick. Mm-hmm. And but the little details like and we're standing there watching and I, I realized we were holding hands. She mm-hmm. felt the same way I did. Yeah. You know, and it's that thrill of um I, oh I, I can't go near her because she's got all this money. She's gonna have all this mm-hmm. money and I can't offer her anything. And the part, But she has disdain for the money, so that's even more attractive, right? Well, yeah, and the part Isn't that where, because she likes him? Yes. Exactly, because when they open the thing, they open the Indian box and it's empty, and she says, the treasure is lost. As I listened to the words and realized what they meant, a great shadow seemed to pass from my soul. I did not know how this Agra treasure had weighed me down until now that it was finally removed. It was selfish, no doubt, disloyal, wrong, but I could realize nothing save that the golden barrier was gone from between us. And so he says, thank God. And she's like, why? And he says, well, because now you're in my reach again. And he took her hand. Mm. I love you, Mary, as truly as ever a man loved a woman. Because of this treasure, because this treasure, these riches sealed my lips. Now that they are gone, I can tell you how I love you. That is why I said, thank God. Then I say, thank God, too, she whispered as I drew her to my side. Whoever had lost a treasure, I knew that night I had gained one. Yeah, you know, it's, Come on. it's it's very chemical there because I mean they we we see exactly how much they interact. Yeah. And they interact uh maybe forty words yeah. total. Yeah. Right? I mean, they really do not converse. Well, this uh, is all in, in touching by touching hands and through yeah. eyes. I, Significant uh, looks. Of, yeah. Eyes. Yeah. You know, pro- probably large sections of the deduction were happening. And, and he was just sort of staring at her and not seeing a lot of it. Because well, okay, so you know what Sherlock says? Love is an emotional thing, and whatever is emotional is opposed to that true, cold reason which I place above all things. I yes. just never marry myself. That's yes. bias my judgment. Mm-hmm. Unless Irene Adler came back, in which case I would consider it. Well, she hasn't come. She hasn't come in yet. Oh yeah, that's, right. The short stories that's haven't the, been written. The Scandal in Bohemia. The That's woman. the next the next story. I yeah. Think. I haven't read about her. Oh. I've only read I've only read the story. novels so far. Really? Oh. Yeah. Interesting because most people come to it. Yeah, maybe The Hound of the Baskervilles, but usually it's the short stories. It was The Hound of the Baskervilles was the first one and, and I read the other ones. Um uh, the by the way, the one you were thinking of, Julie, I think before was The Valley of Fear. Yes. That's the one that's that's one of the ones where he says, "Okay, everybody wants Sherlock Holmes. That's fine, but I'm really interested in in the Ku Klux Klan (laughs) (laughs) and the way they'll terrorize this community." Right. So it has like an opening chapter, right, with Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and then it switches to a past tense narrative set for like 20 years in American history, and then the very end, and Sherlock Holmes says, "And that's how we solve the case." (laughs) (laughs) he's the framing device definitely well and there had to be a fascination not only on his part but on the general public's part of these exotic locations or concepts because you know the first the study in scarlet is all set in the mormon community really Mm -hmm. and it's the most sinister aspect of all that so uh it's you know dastardly people Mm -hmm. trying to control this young lady and her money so it he must. Did, they must have just been KKK thrilling. and another one too. Uh, the five orange pips ah, was a short story. Yeah. That he was just really interested. Like he, he, he you know, Philip K. Dick is reading uh, uh, different kind of books, but it, what what uh, you know, he would pick up like a history of World War One, uh, World War Two, or something like that, and get really excited. Mm-hmm. Like the man in the high castle. More the case with Conan Doyle is he's reading the newspaper. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and he'd be going to those scientific meetings and talking because he was, you know, so elevated in society. He would be talking with the people who were the movers and shakers of those things and get really fascinated and, and write about that. And he had such a skill for spinning that into a great yarn. Hmm. It is, it, it is funny because this is a romance, even though it is a mystery. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I always try and think like, 
since I know what the story is, I'm reading and I know what's going to happen. I started thinking like, what is Sherlock Holmes thinking about when he says, you know, uh, he, we describe Sherlock Holmes, not sleeping, smoking a pipe. I'm thinking like, actually there's not that much to think about because you don't have enough facts. yet. (laughs) And so I, I imagine like, "Mm," you know, he's sort of, he's overthinking it Mm -hmm. because when, when he does, you know, make the contact, he says, go out and get Toby, uh, you know, go out and, uh, uh, send out all these boys, right? Really, there's not much for him to do other than sit back and wait. But doesn't Watson say, accuse him of overthinking it as well? Well, he does overthink it, so maybe. I don't know. Well, I, don't you think maybe he's thinking about other stuff too? Because isn't there a point where they're waiting for something to happen and he and Watson are discussing something else altogether? He does a he, chemical or, analysis. Yeah, they're <laughs> just talking right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're just talking about something else completely. He's like, oh, well, now we're ready. And so you wonder if he's just turning over the, you know, maybe there's 121 kinds of cigarette ash. Maybe I missed one. <laughs> well, because if he doesn't, if he doesn't overthink, he's just going to go and shoot him, shoot himself up. So. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I, I thought was cool that's in here that is a trope, just like all the other Sherlock Holmes tropes, you know, the deer stalker one is the one that really annoys me is where they have to put a deer stalker on him every oh, time. Yeah. Um, because that it is on, not in all the stories with drawings, right? It's in like maybe one or two. Right. Maximum. Um, but it, it all, he, it'd be like, uh, it'd be like a guy wearing a, a uh, hunting jacket in downtown, you know, New York. Yeah, he wears <laughs> it when appropriate. Yeah, yeah. When he's out in the country yeah. and he's exactly. trying to keep warm on a cold, you know, October night. Right. Um, or when he, he he's literally living in a cave in, you know, the, the Baskervilles, <laughs> exactly. right? It's, so <laughs> the I mean, soccer is perfect for that. Yeah, you want to keep some tweeds that are going to keep you warm. Yeah. Uh, with ear flaps that you can pull down, and he never has the ear flaps pulled down either. Uh, he's um, pretty cool. He doesn't need that. Yeah, the the one that I like that's in here that I, I know a lot of other writers pick up and do something with, it's very cool, is that Watson calls Holmes an automaton. Yes. Uh-huh. And there are stories. There's one by Robert, uh, I was going to say Silverberg, but that's not it. Saberhagen. I think it's, uh, oh, is it Fred. Fred. Is Fred Saberhagen. Yeah. Fred Saberhagen uh, wrote a bunch of cool stories. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the novels or the things that get turned into novels, but he wrote a bunch of stories uh, about berserkers. Do you guys know about these? I've heard of them, but I haven't read them. Me too. So they're aliens uh, from another solar system that are conquering the galaxy, uh, but they're robots. So whoever created them are long dead maybe destroyed like Cylon type or whatever. But uh, they are going from planet to planet conquering. And uh, they're kind of like the Borg. Uh, They're also, um, they are, they incorporate, you know, in the same way they assimilate Mm. the cultures and use that to affect things. So one of the stories is a a lone fighter from earth fighting against the, the last of the, you know, the fighters from uh, from a berserker ship mm-hmm. suddenly get thrown back into the past, right? <laughs> and the berserker is damaged. The robot berserker is damaged uh, upon landing. Um, and so he forgets that he's, his job is to kill all humans. <laughs> and that turns his attention to uh, solving uh Crime. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. In late 19th century London, right? <laughs> so is his companion's last named Watson, so he has to exactly. plan him. That's great. <laughs> robot, right? yeah. um, and so it, it, that explains, it doesn't explain the cocaine usage, but it does explain the automaton-like thing. And Yeah, that's great. It is really fun. Yeah. Um, Saberhagen also did, uh, he did another one that's really cool. It's called Wings Out of Shadow. It's the same premise, uh, you know, it's these berserkers attacking Earth. But um, the humans have come up with a, a way of fighting against the robots, and they—I think it's—they take the berserker uh, enemy spaceships and they give them human personalities. And uh, the, when when we first see the one boot back, you know, boot up online with the new software uh, plugged in, it says, "I want you to paint my spaceship red." <laughs> And that's because it is uh, the Red Baron. Oh, right? got it. Oh. 
it's great. it's very fun, and he plays with uh, Saberhagen plays with it. But this is exactly this little like little nugget of you're an automaton, uh, right? You, you you seem to have no human emotion, mm-hmm. um, and he's you're a de- de- deducting machine or deducing machine. Um, it it does allow for so much expansion, and I think. When a reader is reading what here is a very simple, straightforward plot, those little nuggets really allow you to uh, participate in the story even more so than like I don't think we could solve the mystery uh, right just the way it we have to let it unfold just as it does, right mm. I think and so those little nuggets allow us to participate in the experience because it's not a traditional um mystery that you know you're presented in the agatha right. christie style with the clues and you need to figure out which is the red herrings this is we're waiting for more plot development to happen so that we can get more information mm-hmm. well and in fact um i just found a little spot where doyle actually tells us that because uh the mrs forster says it is a romance an mm-hmm. injured lady half a million in treasure, a black cannibal, and a wooden-legged ruffian. They take the place of the conventional dragon or wicked earl. And two knights errant to the rescue, added Miss Morstan with a bright glance at me. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, he's right there going. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's We're having fun with it, but it's a story. You're not expecting this all. It is not a wink, yeah. So was there a predecessor to Sherlock Holmes in this automaton, coldly logical way? Or is this character – we know – that when we think, I think of Mr. Spock, I think, of course, of Sherlock Holmes. It's that same fascination mm-hmm. because yeah. can you make him react as a human being? That's the challenge. Mm-hmm. And there are other characters like that since him. Were there those like that before? Well, him? the Edgar Allan Poe one, see Auguste Dupin, right? Is Was the, he that coldly logical and all that, though? Not human? Yes. Uh, see, okay. what's interesting is that. See, Auguste Dupin is in the same way like Sherlock Holmes, a consulting detective. Right. Really, the actual words consulting detective? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Um, and he has a Watson, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so he, he's French, uh, but he, he has this same, um, I'm only interested in the problem. Okay. This is what, what, um, Poe called it was Tales of Ratiocination, which is a fun word to say. <laughs> um, yes. Tales of using your brain to solve story, you know, solve mysteries. Mm-hmm. And that's really the first legit uh, mystery okay. detective story. And he is, we don't, there's only four stories with C. Auguste Dupin. Um, but the, the one that most people think of as the most, uh, the best example of that is... Um, the, it's a letter one. The Telltale Heart. Tell, no, no, no. That's Telltale Heart is a, a story of a madman. I thought um, there were letters in it. Uh, that was the heart. Sorry. Purloined letter. It's purloined called. letters. Yeah. Purloined letter. Yeah, and that, which is about a a is a very Sherlock Holmes style story in which a uh, a government official we get that in a lot of Sherlock Holmes stories has misplaced uh, or lost a document. Um, and he's no, he's knows it's been stolen, but he, there's no way it could have left, uh, the house right. or something like that. Right. And so, uh, see Augusta Pan solves it. I, he might even solve it in the way that Holmes does in a couple of stories where he never even leaves the house. Right. He just, <laughs> so you sit reads down, the you paper. Tell the story. Right. right. Sits down, reads the, listens to the stories, asks a couple of questions and tells you, you will find it upon the mantelpiece <laughs> <laughs> hidden under that, uh, that uh, blow dart gun or (laughs) in the middle of all those other letters in there. Right. And so he is in that, he is very much stolen. All right. Sherlock Holmes is very much stolen from Edgar Allan Poe, but in a very fond way, I believe in the very first uh, novel, he even says that I'm just like C. Augusta Pan. Okay. Or you're just like C. Augusta Pan, Mr. Holmes. Oh, yeah. I will see. I remember reading those stories, but I wasn't, you know, at the point whenever I read them, I wasn't connecting that sort of a detective with Sherlock Holmes. So mm-hmm. thank you. There is one other uh, antecedent which is really fun, um, and I did do a show on it that hasn't come out yet. Oh, uh, a story called yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a story called Zadig. Um, it's by Voltaire. 
Um, and it's part of a uh, sort of a novel, but th- each section is its own little story. Oh. And it's about a guy who um, who can tell just by the traces on the ground, you know, the color of the horse and the um, the uh, yeah. the how old the dog is. I've and heard all of that. this. Yes. Yes. And it's fun, but it is uh, a comedy piece rather than uh, you know straight up consulting detective story. And so this is usually how it goes, right? Is that you don't get into full blown science fiction you know, right away, you start with gothic romance and then you get right. to Mary Shelley and then mm-hmm. you do a little Edgar Allan Poe and uh, and then suddenly you've got, mm, yeah, this is pretty much science fiction by the time you get to H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. And Jules Verne. Mm-hmm. And Jules Verne. That's, a, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just thinking because he also was pretty good at the people who... Well, you know, around the world in 80 days, and I, mm-hmm. I should be able to remember that guy's name, but he is just like Sherlock Holmes or Dupin, where he's uh, um, man, coldly, yeah, and I just listened to the book, and so I should remember it, but yeah, he's coldly logical, even when the Indian lady they rescue has fallen in love with him, he's, you know, just being super polite to her. She can't Phileas Fogg. Phineas Fogg, how it's could I not remember that? Phileas Fogg, it means... Fog. Okay. Fog lover. Yeah. <laughs> Two Gs. Thank you. <laughs> because he's got, you know, London's foggy. He, he never likes, loves to leave London, and he does. It, that That's the fun thing about that book, is that it's making jokes all the way oh, across yeah. the world. It is funny. The whole, I mean, not not broadly funny, though. You have no, to just be... smirkingly funny. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there is no, and I make this emphasis, there is no hot air balloon. Oh, right. Yeah. Thank you to the movie. Everybody's like, now the books all have the hot air balloon. There's an ice sledge, which is very cool. Uh Yes. There is a train. Oh, and shootouts with Indians and things. Yeah. There's lots of, there's a ship that they, I think they do this in uh, the the 7% solution too, right? They run out of coal or they're trying to over cook the engine so they start burning the ship <laughs> oh really are trying to get to england in time then he says uh, i'll oh, buy the right. whole ship right? okay i love that and i they was do thinking that. at the beginning when well not really the beginning but when they're in the sea of japan or whatever and they're trying to you know they're in the path of the monsoon hmm. uh actually that's i think the servant no he's on the regular ship too. it's yeah. phileas fog trying but to catch up the a, ship they do that in the seven percent solution, the movie right. as well. I guess it's probably in the book where they're trying to catch. It, it, that actually is from this book as well. They're trying to catch somebody on the train, and the train ahead of them, right? Mm-hmm. So they start, they run out of coal and they start burning the everything, the, yeah, everything that isn't nailed down, right? And even the stuff that is nailed down, they throw that in the burner. Um, but we have a chase here um, across the the River Thames or up mm-hmm. the River Thames, right? Yeah, with the clippers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's a there's a, a, a few funny lines in there. There's a line about, and this is actually where I think the the modern Sherlock Holmes movies with uh, with the uh, who's the Iron Man actor Robert Downey oh, Robert Downey Jr. Right. Uh, what you know how in the show he, they show him as like a box or in the movie he's like he can oh yeah think six Martial steps arts. ahead and lock somebody to death yeah. right yeah. I've disabled their spleen or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, that's there's a line in here about that. Yeah, it's the when he comes to the door and he they won't let him in, and right. the doorman was like, "No, no," and then he says, "Don't you recognize me?" And and he says, "Oh my God, that's I went it. whatever six rounds with you." Right, and, and if you, you just laid me one on the chin, I would have been uh, I would have known you instantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's got he's got uh, all these hidden talents. Yeah. Yes, he's an improvisational violinist too. Yeah, and, and he also and has an the actor. costume thing, right? And the, he does yeah. the costume thing in here. And he's an excellent housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's chosen uh, Mrs. Hudson. I was going to say he has an excellent housekeeper. Yeah. No, no, and there's one part that says I am an excellent. Yeah, that's that's okay. true. He does say that. Yeah. Which is funny because he, yeah, he's he's a, apparently super messy as well. So yeah, I don't he's know. Just tobacco and the Turkish slipper and. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, we, we start to see in this pretty much the full-blown Sherlock Holmes. I mean, so many of the things that we take for granted as being Sherlockian character traits are in this book, the second effort, right? The mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. the second pass on it. And I think maybe that's the problem for, for uh, Conan Doyle is that he really has not a lot more to say. Because he's invented this really good character, he's he's got a pretty damn good plot. I I wouldn't say this is as good as the Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh no, because it doesn't have a ghost, right? I mean, that's really the problem. <laughs> no rocket ship, no ghost. Okay, yeah. that's you know we're left with a the romance and the you no know wars the, and the, well yeah. Um, also, though, one thing that he said was. The reason he got tired of writing the short stories, which is what everybody wanted, the Strand wanted and everything, Mm -hmm. is he said, I have to put as much work into each plot of the short stories as I have to put into a novel. Mm -hmm. And I have to keep churning these short stories out for each edition of the Strand. And it's a whole lot of work for not nearly as much pay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd rather be spending my time in other ways that are, you know, other books or whatever. And I could really see that. Yeah, uh, but I think it doesn't stretch him in the way that he liked to be stretched. When when you read, uh, and we did, we did a show on the, the Professor Challenger. He is mm-hmm. a really fun and completely yes. different kind of character, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, when you do Sher- Sherlock Holmes, you're everybody knows how to do Sherlock Holmes. You could everyone could write a Sherlock Holmes story now because you, know, you get the Deerstalker cap out, you get the cocaine, you get the Watson. Uh, f- uh, being gentlemanly towards ladies, right? Well, in fact, everybody knows how to write these stories. Yeah, in fact, uh, I just wanted to mention Otto Penzler just came out with a, one of his huge collections of all these modern takes, or you know, all the other takes that are short stories and novellas on Sherlock Holmes. Right, it came out. At Neil Gaiman's done one, right? Everybody knows how to. Yeah, the big book do. of Sherlock Holmes, and they're fun to do. But if if you are someone with vast interests uh, like Arthur Conan Doyle had, um, you could see why he would sort of not want to... Like, this is, I think, the exact same reason I don't want to do uh, a podcast on every single short story because (laughs) they are, like, they're yummy candy, but they're not uh, fulfilling after, you know, it is getting the same yummy candy. It's not a new yummy candy. Well, um... Yeah, and plus he wrote a lot of other kinds of books that people don't think about. He had some historical books, which he thought were better than any of the other books he wrote. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy The White Company. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, And now, of course, I say that, and I'm thinking, I can't remember if it's set in medieval times, but it's got... Yeah, it is. Yeah, the same preposterous uh, setting of, you know, the youngest son of somebody who gave him to the monastery to raise and he gets to a certain age and the monastery said, well, we promised your father, we'd send you out into the world. If you want to come back, you can, but you have to be gone and live in the world for a while. And his experiences in meeting the people as he does starts his road journey of the new world or, you know, the outside world are hilarious at the same time as he's building this great romance it's a great adventure he winds up joining the crusades and so you have this company of people and it's a lot of the same elements you can see here or in professor challenger where they're off to look at the lost world but it's so different and fresh feeling at the same time Mm -hmm. you really could do that so well now he was interested in pretty much everything right he was not he was, he was, yeah, he's interested in dinosaurs and fairies and spiritualism. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was, he was all, he was a champion of like, uh, lost causes, people who had been, uh, you yeah. know, falsely accused and falsely imprisoned. And, um, if he were alive today, he would be like one of those guys who shows up on TV with a new book and championing somebody's, uh, you know, thing. And then, He'd get a little older and start talking about <laughs> a different thing, <laughs> fairies yeah. or something, and then be see. Well, he's still smart, so maybe there is something to this spirit. <laughs> <laughs> this picture of this fairy might be real now. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, he and then he gave that to Sherlock too. It, so that day that they're having dinner, when they're all sitting down for dinner before they before they get on the boat, and he, he mm-hmm. spoke on a quick succession of subjects. Right. Miracle plays, medieval poet, pottery, Stradivarius, violins, Buddhism, sil- silence, oh, right. and worships of the future. 
And mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, what did he say about warships of the future? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm trying to imagine. Well, what was he thinking? You know, like, is he thinking spaceships? Is he thinking airships? Is he just thinking... Probably aircraft carriers. Yeah, but, and submarines. Well before, oh, yeah. yeah, well before, you know, we took off. It would have been yep. fascinating to be, th- be there at that dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that maybe that's the reflection of that that dinner that we started the show off talking about the the yeah. the Lippincotts meeting because I oh, would yeah. love to be yeah. a fly on the wall or or a guy with a with a podcast uh, microphone <laughs> sitting there recording the conversations between Oscar Wilde and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. Holy crap! I mean, come on. Thinking about them yeah. being together is is fascinating. Did they hit it off? Were they kind of just uh, polite but interested? Or, yeah, some. Yeah. And with Conan Doyle being sort of the the well known writer, even I mean, he he was not as well known as he later was, but he was he had he had been doing some publishing. He had been publishing for a while. Uh, Oscar Wilde, a few short stories, some poems, and lots of you know being just famous for. <laughs> Saying funny things at parties and having the reporters write it down. Well, I think, yeah, I imagine, and I didn't look this up, but when I saw it was in America, I went, oh, I think this is when he took his American tour just for, you seem great, come and talk to us. Mm -hmm. He hadn't really done anything, but he was just so wonderful to listen to. Everybody wanted to meet him. Hmm. Let's do a tour. Okay. (laughs) Why not? I think we're done. Well, we didn't talk about data, the automaton. Data, the the robot Sherlock Holmes in Star Trek? Data, the robot Sherlock Holmes in Star You're Trek. Right. Because You're right. Holmes that. calls him a calculating machine in That's human. And, oh, yeah. Yes, That's and true. Data. And there was also, I mean, you you talked about, you mentioned Spock, and, um, and I know there's a big thing online about it, about comparing Spock and, um, and Sherlock Holmes, but... Um, do you, do you know? Did you notice that in um, in one of the movies, um, the Undiscovered Country, Spock gives the line about um, an ancestor of mine maintained that when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains over improbable <laughs> must be the truth. I did not. Oh, that's yeah, great. He, he does say that. And so, well, yeah, but you can also read Shakespeare in the original Klingon. Yeah, right? no, I know, I know. But um, but, but I, having fun I, with it. I read online numerous sources suggest that Trek creator Gene Roddenberry had imagined Spock as being a descendant of Sir Arthur Conan. Well, he's half human. Right? Well, yes, yeah, he's he is half human, so that so, could happen. So, the minute you said yeah. that, I was like, oh, through his mother, I get through it. his mother's side. <laughs> of course, that means Holmes has to have some liaison that we don't know about. Out. Right. Now, how could that possibly have happened? Unless somebody came and stole his sperm, because... He's running up against <laughs> Irene Adler again, I'm just saying. It It just didn't get written down, that's all. Well, you know, yeah. it's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible, I guess. Especially and, when it comes to Star Trek. You know, the, the literary things in Star Trek are really much more in the movies like that. The, the second one... Um, everybody loves all the lines from uh, Wrath of Khan, the original Wrath of Khan. No! <laughs> and they're all Sorry. ripped off yeah. from... Yeah. You know, all the lines. Everybody, you know, the the villain and, and Kirk, they're just, you know, he's reading Dickens, and then he's... It's a tale of two cities, right? He gives us his birthday present or whatever. And then Paradise we get... Lost, uh, the, the books Paradise of, Lost uh, and yeah. Moby Dick, right? Yeah, right. The white... Right. <laughs> with... Um, with Khan being uh, the the captain and Ahab, uh, Ahab, yeah. Ahab yeah. and uh, Kirk being the great white whale. <laughs> well, uh, that that yeah, movie's listen- going to be in theaters. Uh, it's coming up in theaters soon. What is the original? The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, they're doing like kickbacks of older movies, and that's one of. Them. I think they definitely should because oh, I would that's probably one like of to the see top them. ten movies ever. Yeah, made. so it's going to be. Say. I'll let you know. I'll I'll let you know when it's. And, well, we I mean, did they a, do everything, and they even have Genesis in there, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, I will just say, uh, if you listen to, I don't know what the episode number is of A Good Story is Hard to Find, we did a show on The Wrath of Khan, and we had mm-hmm. also Heather Ordover on there, and um, Rose, my daughter, was on there, and maybe Joseph Suzenka, who's just a friend of ours who's super into movies, but mm-hmm. we talked about a lot of this stuff. I, I came away from that going, oh my gosh, I knew I loved it, now I know why. 
There was, there was one other thing before we go that I just wanted to touch on. Now, this may be an old thing that, that millions of people have written about millions of times. But when he's talking about the war the, in, in India, and he, mm-hmm. he says... He says, it was a fight of millions against the hundreds, and the coolest part of it was that those men that we fought against, horse, foot, and gunners, were our own picked troops, whom yes. we had taught and trained, handling our own weapons and blowing our own bugles. Like, mm-hmm. that was written in, ni- what did you say, 1890, and um, and it's just how, like, now, it, it could have been written today. We're still mm-hmm. that stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's the 1857 Sepoy Rebellion, they called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and largely uh, caused by, well, spurred by the rumor that the uh, the gunpowder cases were made from uh, dipped in pig's fat or something. That right? was it. Yeah, I knew there was not. And that was not the root cause of it, but that was the uh, that was the the spark that lit all the fires, right? And that is and- what. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm not even we're not even sure if you know whether that's true or not. It's just but that's how things are, right? You know, if you've got if you've got yeah, tallow and lard greased cartridges, right? Mm-hmm. So, like whether that's true or not doesn't really matter as much as if it is true, that's just the ultimate topper on the fact that we're not getting paid and we're pressing our own people and Yeah. It's And we and we keep on repeating this cycle over and over and over. Like how many times? It's overreach and then yeah. and then um, you know, treating treating people like crap. Uh, the the one I heard recently that I thought was really interesting is um, about the American Revolution, right? Thomas Paine, uh-huh. uh, who's oh. a Brit. He's a Brit. He's actually a right. Brit tax collector who cu- who who tries to, who goes to London, tries to get their pay raise because they haven't had their pay raised a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, and is you know it doesn't work out. But he's a really he's a really good writer. He, so he says, you know what? I, I, he, he meets Fr- Benjamin Franklin, who radicalizes him, <laughs> and then he goes back to the he goes yeah. to the United States or what would become the United States, and he writes a pamphlet, uh, sense. Common Sense, which he gives away the copyright to, so he doesn't make any money from, and it sells 150,000 <laughs> copies, which back then would be about half the population of the 13 colonies. Uh-huh. And the, the people were, were, he was saying you have to reject monarchy, right? But the people weren't ready. The yeah. people loved the monarch. They said, we've got this petition going. We're going to take it to King George. It's the parliament that's the problem. So they go all the way to England, across the water, take it to King George, knock on his door, say, we've got this uh, petition from a whole bunch of American statesmen, well, American businessmen and, you know, uh, old families. And and the king says, I'm not going to open the door. He doesn't even look at it. Yeah. Mm. And that's what puts people over. It's like, Payne was right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, fine. We we really didn't believe him. But now here we go. Well, and. Was that uh, in our time? I haven't listened to that yeah, one. Yeah, that's the in our time that was. I saw uh, that's the most recent really one. Really good show. I love that show. Yeah, they're so great because they are so impartial. And they're fast. They get all right. it's like a mysterious. But they don't really break. take a side. They don't. They'll just go. Well, this was ill considered. But they don't, you know, get personal well, it's, about it's, it. It's, they're always historical, anyways. Right. You know, right. But um, yeah. But that's the thing of if you look back at history, it's easy when you're looking back and go, if we had just changed a few things. And of course, the thing that we always like to think about ourselves is, you know, we're so modern, we have it all figured out, and yet we're making those same mistakes because we're right in the middle of everything, mm-hmm. and we can't see the little nobody looks at history. All the stuff that well, what right? Should, it's it, what shouldn't we try and repeat yeah, the problem? Exactly. That well, um, but the other thing too, I love that you brought that up, Misa, because I had noticed that also. But the fact that. Although this is a romance and it's written for entertainment, Coil, uh, Coil Doyle is still dropping his little comments in there. Mm-hmm. He he's not like you know pushing it super hard, but he'll just drop a little bit here and a little bit there and go, "Do we see this?" Yeah. Hello? No, yeah, he was super anti-racist. You can see that. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Mm-hmm. He says yeah. he says that there was a line that said something about. You know, they, they all look so dull, but everybody has a spark inside them, don't they? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and the fact that, you know, the guy, uh, was it small, wouldn't give over his three. That's right. Uh, yeah. Sink, 
compatriots, even though any normal white man would have done it, because come on. And look at the two officers, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the officers, sorry. The, the Miss Marston, is that her name? Oh, yeah. Her, yeah, Marston, Mary. Her, her, uh, her, her dad was a stand-up dude, right? Her, right? Yeah, he was coming to divide it correctly. Right, he was coming to... Uh, although, I mean, that's the funny thing is, is the other thing I was thinking is like, actually, they're all everybody's family here is, is rotten because they're all trying to undermine the, the system. Right. The first of all, that's the real sin. You look at it a little more cynically. Do take away the uh, the the romantic blinders you put your put on, Julie, and look at it this way for a second. Right. Um. First of all, there's that the Bengali prince or whatever is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy who starts it all off. He's playing both sides, right? Oh, he's yeah. He's on the rebellion and he also wants to preserve his his status in case it goes the other way. Well, did you right? notice has superhuman strength? The, 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 the chest itself weighed a ton. And then when you put in all of the all of the treasure in it how did and he was carrying it he wasn't dragging it or right, yeah, right. or something he was just little That's fat one man of those thing. little details we're not too worried about <laughs> okay sorry go ahead <laughs> well then <laughs> then the uh the 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 smalls with his leg cut off being the, the guard right he, he's threatened he says i was going to call out um but they anticipated what i was going to do and said you can call out or you can just become a rich man, which is what everybody came to India to do. All of you sure. white guys came to India to do, right? And he says, hmm, does it threaten the, the fort? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's, Why you not? know, illegal. And then and then they they get sent to prison for murder, which is, you know, not cool. And then in prison, they corrupt the guards, which mm-hmm. is not cool. Right. And then they go back to England, and even the family who have somewhat profited or at least not been hurt by it um say don't call the police or everything will be for naught right and no matter how you slice it corruption 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 and then every once in a while there's like a a hint of loyalty here or or romance right Mm -hmm. but it really ultimately underneath all of it maybe that's because it's a crime story but ultimately underneath all of it it's it's corruption all the way up and down well, I yeah. think it's that look at he looks very um, realistically at human nature, for one thing. Mm-hmm. He, of course, because it's a mystery, everybody in this line is ready to be corrupted because otherwise you have no story. That's right. And so that's why you have the few good characters who are set in opposition. Sherlock Holmes would never have taken that money. Um, Watson, probably not also. Notice like he never name. gets paid either. <laughs> this is the other thing that I always do. Yeah. Well, in some of the stories later on, they go back and forth between it's lucky I don't need to be paid. And sometimes he's like, I'm desperately in need of money. So I'll take this case that I normally would never touch. It just depends on the needs of the yeah. story. But I think. In this one, you know, he doesn't get a pearl, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He lays out money here. He's laying out money. Yeah, to, Toby you know, and all best, that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and Watts, uh, this is why he needs a roommate, because he can't afford to pay for Well, also, though, yeah, we can't all be, <laughs> we can't be like Sherlock Holmes, because he obviously doesn't worry about class. He looks at it. He knows it's there, because he needs to know it. But that's why he's, you know, he knows the boxer, or the doorman who's the boxer. That's why he knows the guy who has Toby. You mm-hmm. know, he's, because of his work, he doesn't care about that stuff. He just mm-hmm. casts all that aside, and he's also incorruptible whereas human nature generally you know they're going to react emotionally they're going to be able to be corrupted if you offer them the right thing i mean watson would have probably done all kinds of horrible things in order to protect mary and he would have justified it to himself somehow not so to mention all those child labor laws he's he's uh violating <laughs> he's giving <laughs> i guess there were no child labor laws back, but the baker street yeah yeah the baker street kids uh yeah he's He's giving them money they sadly need for their coffee. Yeah, mm-hmm. at home. A, mur- a murderer on the loose. Sending um, well, all the kids down to the docks to <laughs> get. I mean, talk about uh, you know what are they? It's uh, latchkey kids. This is this is <laughs> they don't even. They're you know this is not. Um, uh, this is free ranging kids like completely right because the, maybe they don't even have parents these homeless kids who are running around. I've been reading a lot of Dickens lately. I feel like I was, was just going to say it's very <laughs> Dickensian. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very realistic that way. I mean, it is honest work in a certain sense, but on the other hand, he is sending a bunch of kids to run around the docks. Yeah, they were already running around there, I bet. That's, That's why he uses them. That's true. Um, my son had one more thing he wanted me to pass on to the two of you. Or it would have been three of us if Seth had been here. Seth, we miss you. Mm-hmm. Yes, Seth, Get we do very back. much. Um, so my son William said he, wa- he wanted me to compare. Um, he said, in Lord of the Rings, the hobbits are the most relatable characters. And Watson is our relatable character here. So he said, is Martin Freeman Hollywood's choice to represent today's <laughs> British Every man. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, good good yeah. call. Oh, yeah, I'll tell him. And there is sort of a homoerotic uh, thing going on with the Sam Frodo thing. Uh, it, when uh, some, and, la, and when la, people la, do la, that. I can't hear you. The Sherlock show, I mean, that is, I can't even watch it. Because it is, they don't care about the mystery at all. It's yeah. all about how how will they or won't they i really don't care sherlock holmes is supposed to be solving mysteries and watson's supposed to be writing about them i don't care whether they're in love with each other and, i really don't and they're, yeah that's the entire focus of that show mm. it, well and i liked the first two seasons because you could still see what was happening related to the original story and it was an interesting sure. take and i yeah i always found the oh aren't you gay thing i was like oh god Okay, modern audience is fine. But the third season went totally off the rails as far as I was concerned. I was like, I'm done now. Yeah. Because they just took it in a whole new direction. They took Mary and did something with her where I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But that's actually supposed to be the oh, same yeah. character. Did you notice that? That she's supposed to be uh, this character from our book. Here. I know. And that's why I went, no, no. You, now you're just in your little fantasy yeah. land. And I don't really care for derivative fiction, no. uh, the Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I saw the auto. They aren't doing book. an ad. They're not doing an adaptation. You're right. It's exactly what it is. It's derivative. Right. And, and it's I don't derivative of the best parts is derivative of the worst parts. Yeah. And I don't mind if I'm watching Star Trek and they throw in a data as playing Sherlock Holmes or whatever. And I'm like, I get it, but I don't like reading the stories that are derivative. I don't like reading the other. Cause I'm like, can't you do anything of your own? I mean, I get it. Like you take, Auguste Dupin or whatever his name was and you use him because this is Sherlock and you take that idea of oh I need two people and therefore you have Hercule Poirot and um, Hastings but mm-hmm. the, the those authors all did their own thing with it. Yeah. That's no, just the genesis. So. Did not, yeah she's not photocopying anybody Mm-mm. right and on honestly uh, Conan Doyle is not either even though there are many parallels they are right they completely Poe has completely different he's much more interested in the macabre right you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like hey this lady got stuffed up a chimney and uh, uh, and yeah. her dog did too it's like yeah, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> that's not the same thing and yet there there are parallels to be drawn and 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 they are because Conan Doyle read the Augusta Pan stories and said wow I know I'm going to I got an yeah, idea that's neat yeah it was one thing versus taking it and then just going and now here's my Sherlock Holmes story or my thing. And um, and some of them, like, I, you know, some of them I enjoy. There's a oh gosh, there's one that's set in the Wild West that oh, gosh, darn it. You know, my favorite Sherlock Holmes uh, adaptation, uh, not or whatever yeah. derivative thing is uh, Without a Clue. With, um, oh, I love that. I have with, to say. Uh, uh, was it? Ben Kingsley and Michael Caine. Ben Kingsley Kane. and Michael Caine, right? Oh, yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. I should look that up. I oh, say yeah. this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movie. movie. I saw that in the theater and I loved it. Oh, uh, yeah. Since the, the, the premise is that Michael Caine is an actor and that he's been hired to be the, the character of Sherlock Holmes because nobody's interested in John Watson, the crime doctor. Yeah. (laughs) But he's, but because he's just an actor and he's not invested in Sherlock Holmes, he'll play his part and he'll say his lines as best as he can remember them. But he's horribly hard to keep reined in because he's always wanting to hang out, be with the prostitutes, be blind drunk. And yeah, and it's, it's really wonderful. The actors are so great. yeah, yeah, so definitely and, it, and it's a legit it. story. It's got a legit mystery in it too. Yeah, and it's very good. 
It's very well. You're done. right. Oh, that's that's very good. And Michael and it was Jackson. also before all the derivative modern stuff, yep. so it was fresh. There's a there's a, many many wonderful you know sort of takes on it. Uh, the Private Life of Sherlock Holmes is uh, from '74. Is that and it, Wilder? Yeah, Billy Wilder, but good. it also has that little gay thing that is going yeah. on, but they don't milk it, right? Yeah. That thing is, week after week after week, like, whether Sherlock Holmes is gay or not in that movie is, like, that's a shocking, interesting idea, and it's a comedy, too, but Watson isn't, like, mooning over Sherlock Holmes, right? Right. It's so that that's not the focus. And so um, th- there it just becomes, a, like, a little, uh, you know, a little star, a little... A twinkle, but it's yeah. not. It's not. It's it, not it shouldn't be everything. Yeah. That's, to end on a happy note. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd forgotten that movie, and if you haven't seen it, you definitely need to. It's really delightful, and those two actors are so wonderful in those parts. Yeah, fine. I will. I'll look for it in my local video store that's still open. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.